All right, let's get in the Word. Come on, stand up on your feet all across this place. Appreciate our worship team. Thank you so much. Book of Acts, commonly called Acts of the Apostles, but to me, it's more the Acts of the Holy Ghost. Uh, find chapter 6, please. Acts chapter 6, verse 1 uh, through 7. We do have uh, notes for you, and we'd encourage you to use those as we move along. That way you can go preach it to somebody else. And they have proven that if you write things down, you have a much higher percentage of retention. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I forget what I preached just a couple weeks ago. And so writing it down helps a lot. That's why we give you notes. Here we go. Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. In those days, when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. I want you to say that verse 4 with me. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, Philip, Procreus, Nicor, Timon, Parmenius, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Verse 7 will be our final verse. Then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many priests were obedient to the faith. Father, we thank you for what you've done already. And what you're going to do, Lord, in this service tonight, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move with great power. Come on, lift your voice and ask God to speak to you. Mr. Soundman, can I have a little bit more monitor, please? Holy Spirit, we pray that you would move in great power. Mark us. Change us. May the effects of this service be far-reaching, even to eternity, I pray. May we never be the same because of what takes place today. In Jesus' name. And we thank you and praise you for it. Amen. You may be seated. One of the favorite scholars and writers that we have in our family is C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis wrote many, many books. And in one of his books, he talks about his conversion. He was a staunch atheist. How many of you heard of C.S. Lewis? And uh, they came out with the Chronicles of Narnia and all those movies that all are types and shadows of biblical truth. And C.S. Lewis, a staunch atheist, was invited to go preach, uh, pardon me, invited to go teach a lecture at a university. So his directions were, you get on the train, you take the train to wherever the train was to stop, I've forgotten at this time, in England. 
And when you get out of the train, the directions where you'll see the spires of the university and just walk to the spires and then you'll find yourself on the campus. And so he got off of the train and he looks and he doesn't see the spires to the university. So he, he figures, well, it's probably, you know, up a little further. So he just walks through the town and he's walking and he doesn't see the spires anywhere. And he's, you know, aghast, like, where, where's the university? And it dawns on him to turn around. Well, he turns around and he sees the spires way off in the distance and realized that he got off on the wrong side of the tracks to see the spires. And then it dawned on him. Maybe I've been looking on the wrong side of the tracks my whole life. Maybe actually there is a God. And that started the process of his conversion. We're in a new year. And I think one of the number one things the enemy does to rip us off is to get us distracted from what's really important. And so I've entitled this message a very simple message called Renewing Our Priorities. Renewing Our Priorities. Let's look at this text. The church has an administrative problem. And the problem is, uh, well, there's two kinds of Jews. It says right here in the text, there's, there's a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. There's two kinds of Jews here, Hebraic Jews and Hellenistic Jews. Hebraic Jews were those who spoke Aramaic and Hebrew. Hellenistic Jews were Jews that spoke Greek. So how many of you know the first century church, before the Gentiles were added, was made of Jews? They're all Jews that get saved, right? They believe in Jesus as Mashiach, Messiah. They get saved. And there's this daily distribution, apparently, to the widows. But... There's a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists so that the, the Aramaic-speaking and Hebrew-speaking Jews are not taking care of the Greek-speaking Jews' widows. You know why? They're racist. Just saying. Okay, that's what's happening. They're not being fair. They're really, it's really racism. And so they, they have a problem. And so the complaint comes before them. The 12 are summoned. And they said, look, it's not desirable for us to wait on tables. It wasn't the job of the apostles to go feed the, 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 the widows, to go to do that particular task. Was it a task that needed to have happened? Absolutely important. An important ministry, no doubt. But it was not for them to do it. And so now they have, a, they have this problem. And the remedy that's brought, the solution that's, that's brought that seemed good to them and made this decision is that they would pick seven men to take over the distribution of the food. Now what's interesting is the seven men that they pick. The seven men that they pick are all Hellenistic Jews. How do you know that? From their names. Stephen. Philip, Procreus, Nicanor, Timon, and so on and so forth. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing them quite right. The answer was to select Hellenistic Jews to do that ministry now, and they're replaced, and the structure of the church changes. 
Structures in churches always need to change or you're going to stay stuck. A lot of people say, well, we should have a church like the first century church. The first century church had lots of issues just like this one does. Say, so what issues do we have? Well, no major ones, praise the Lord. If they rear their head, we decapitate them. Just saying. But problems that don't get fixed, how many of you know they needed to confront that? And if they didn't confront it, it would have been a major problem. Problems are opportunities for change. Problems are springboards to propel you into your future. They're not, they're not, God doesn't allow you to go into a wilderness experience so you can beat the fool out of you. He, bring, he brings you or leads you, allows you to go into a wilderness experience so you can exercise your authority over darkness and beat him on the home playing field. They set up this new structure to keep their priorities straight. And their priorities very clearly in verse 4 We will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. Everybody say prayer. Dr. Morocco, my pastor, the senior pastor over this worldwide network of churches, 230 and growing, is a man of prayer. So as I got saved so many years ago, my mama would drag me to morning prayer. My mama's here tonight. God bless you, mom. Where are you at? You look beautiful, mama. And I remember those words that you would say to me all those years ago. Our miracles are coming out of the prayer room, you know. Our miracles are going to be found in, in morning prayer. And we would go. And it set a course of prayer for me in my life, which I wasn't always so great, glad about, getting up early in the morning. You know, I found the flesh frequently doesn't want to get up and pray. But they, they saw prayer as the most important thing that they did, along with the ministry of the word, which we'll talk about. A lot of people don't have a prayer life. Now, just think about this. How many of you know there's lots of people that need food? How many of you know there's lots of widows? How many of you know there's lots of homeless folks? How many of you know there's lots of people on drugs? There's lots of people that are addicted. There's lots of people that are afflicted. Now, we'll get to the ministry of the word in a second. But many people don't have a priority of prayer. I'm telling you, if you'll make prayer a priority, God will release his power in your life. Whatever problem and difficulty you're facing, you can find breakthrough in prayer. If you don't, a church that doesn't have a prayer movement, there, most churches just have once a week. Somebody say, how'd you put that building up on the hill? By an act of God's miracle power. No idea. All we did was pray and, 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 and attempt to obey. And God, miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, I could preach on and on all night for all the miracles that happened so that why we see the steel and the roof and the whole thing coming to completion. How did that happen? Prayer. Seek first the kingdom of God and this righteousness. And he adds... How many? All things. He adds all things. Prayer has got to be a priority for us, and, and it is, but I'm calling you to another level of prayer. Come on, we need to return to some priorities in 2019, and the priorities are prayer and the ministry of the Word, which we'll talk about in a second, and it's not just studying the Word. I had somebody try to argue that. That's not what that means. Prayer. Is that not amazing? No, no. We can't do that. You know, I know, I've been tempted many times and have, have, have succumbed to the temptation of trying to run and fix things. I'm done micromanagement. I backslide occasionally, but I don't micromanage my staff. You have, to, you have to see your role in what God has called you to do, and then you do it. 
If you don't raise up people, you'll never fulfill the dream. You'll never fulfill the vision that God has for you. I'm talking about your business. I'm talking about your ministry. I'm talking about whatever God called you to do. If he called you to do it, it requires more than you. The monastic movement is over. Fantastic that it's preserved the word of God. Other than that, it really wasn't ordered of the Lord, I don't think. It's not good for man to be alone. How will they know unless someone is sent? We need to reach people, but prayer is the number one thing. So let me ask you, how's your prayer life? Well, I prayed over my food earlier today. I heard that when you pray that it changes the molecular structure of your food. I heard that. I heard that too, and I pray over my food also. But if all you're doing is asking for the blessing on your food before you gorge yourself, that's probably not the kind of prayer that's going to bring the sort of breakthrough that God wants to bring in your life. Hello? Prayer fasting goes along with that. Their priority was to pray. Wow. And I'm convinced that there's all kinds of things that the enemy will try to whoop up, the world will try to whip up. Flesh will try to whip up to get you out of prayer. We have a little saying around here that the, the man or the woman of God that doesn't pray two hours a day isn't worth a nickel. So that would mean that some are not worth a penny. It's an aggressive saying. But if you will learn to pray and make a priority in your life to pray. Let me say this. If prayer is not enjoyable for you, then something's wrong in your theology. Like you, you, you have to get healed. Of There has to be a, a, a shift in your thinking. So if prayer is a drudgery, Pastor Karen preached on it just recently. If prayer is a drudgery, I mean, I think it started out like that for me. And frankly, when I'm tired and in the flesh, it can be a drudgery, honestly. But prayer has become a delight for me. And the miracles that are released through prayer are absolutely amazing. If you don't enjoy praying, then you need some further discipleship. You, you, have, to, you have to get a hold of, uh, of the truth of God's word and who you are and who God is in you. And the possibilities that are available for you if you'll pray. If for a moment tonight that the, the, the veil was pulled back and you could see what you're facing in the demonic realm and see the power of God behind you and and the what prayer will do in your life. You will be you would be at every prayer meeting. You'd be like, oh snap, shakatata high, I'm there. Everybody say prayer. Minister the word is the second thing. There's a priority for them. It's not just teaching the word. I have friends, of course, that are pastors. And I remember talking to one guy. He spends 30 hours preparing one message. One message, 30 hours to preach one service on a Sunday morning. 30 hours, one message for 25 minutes he preaches. 30 hours. And that's the ministry of the word. Is that the ministry of the word? Well, it's an aspect of it. That's, that's not what we do. I don't, I don't do that. So did you spend 30 hours in the word? Well, sure, I've spent that amount of time. But mostly, mostly it's, it's studying the word and doing the word. What do you mean studying and doing? I'm not an office kind of a guy. I'm just not. If I was to stay in an office, it would just be 
twice dead and pulled up from the roots. My, 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 my role where I function and flow is with people and meeting with people, praying for people, being in prayer, studying, preaching, praying, prophesying. That's my lane that I run in. I'm not a real, I, I'm, an administ, I'm administrative, but I have other people with the gift of administration. In fact, I need two or three people that will clean up the visionary work that I'd like to create. Two or three other administrators that can clean up all the, the visionary stuff I'd like to do. So what do you do? We, we, we do that. We move forward. If you get moved off of your priority of what God called you to do, you get outside your anointing, you're in big trouble. You know what I mean by anointing? It's the God enablement. We've got folks that are anointed to do administration. God bless them. I mean, it's like when they see piles of paper, they're like, oh, my God, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you. Thank you, God. I see piles of stuff that needs to be organized. I'm like, oh, Lord, thank you for an administrator, right? Because I look at that and I get tired instantly. Come on, some of you are like, I just want to organize that. I know, awesome. Praise God. We'd be in big trouble without that. How many of you know you're in big trouble without organization and and structure, and all that. I just want to make a list. <laughs> praise God. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. I know I'm kind of poking fun, but, you know, you, 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 we need people with an anointed administrative gift. We have to have that. And yet we need people with, with an unction to preach, pray, and prophesy. We need the whole body working together like a, like a hand in a glove. It says kartotismos, he jointly fit us together. Teachers and pastors. And the ministry of the word is not just teaching the word. It's putting the word on display. It's, it's signs, wonders, miracles that follow the preaching of the word. And if, you, if somebody attempts to tell you that the ministry of the word is just teaching and preaching, that's not even biblical. The ministry of the word is raising the dead, healing the sick, setting the captives free. As a matter of fact, you might have come in here tonight and you might be bound and addicted, depressed, and struggling and not knowing how you're going to make it, not knowing how you're going to make it through this trial that you're in. I want to tell you you've come to the right place. You've come to the right place. If you're hurting and you're broken and you don't know which way to go, you've come to the right place. Because God, by His power, by His Spirit, can touch you right now, heal you, set you free. You guys needed that word. You needed it. And you feel that fresh wind, right? It just feels fresher, doesn't it, Donnie? Yeah, you needed that. That's an aspect of the ministry of the word. Yeah, it's teaching. Yes, it's preaching. Yes, it's discipleship, but Jesus never just taught. He taught and he did. He did and he taught. He did both. And if in your life all you do is learn the word, but you never learn, apply it and never do it, then you will be a, a handicapped in your, in your discipleship. Renewing of the mind at best is only halfway done by learning the word. Unless you really understand the true meaning of learning the word, which is when you really learn it, you're actually doing it. So it's not, you know, a bunch of theological truth that you can spout off in some coffee shop so people can think that you're important or something. So you learn, learn about eschatology and the consummation of the age and, and, uh, and about the rapture. And, and you, you know, you learn all these things so that you have head knowledge. So what? So that you can go to Kaladi Brothers and wow somebody with your head knowledge? Who gives a flip? 
Flip. F-L-I-P. I was going to say fig. F-I-G. But I decided to say flip. Who really cares? Who really cares about the theological truth you wanted to you know, share so people can think that you like, know something? Listen, the more you learn, the more you'll find out you don't really know much. All of the truly educated people said, amen. The more you learn, you're more like, I don't really know all that much. Now that I've learned all this, there's a whole lot more out there. Now, biblical revelation, biblical truth, when it's brought down and made real, releases results. It changes your life. Somebody said, I had a dream from the Lord. The Lord spoke to me. Well, apply it to your life first, Bubba. Right? That's where it fits first. You put your own dream on before you try to broadcast it all over Insta face. Put your own, put it, apply it to your life. Take a look at your own sin condition, your own struggles, your own trials. Apply that. It's this tower. And I was in the tower and it was this light. It's, ah, ooh, <laughs> it was awesome. Okay, there's something wrong with that because when you're, when you're saved, you love Jesus, you don't continue to sin. I just offended all the dope smokers, all of them, on purpose. If you're upset about that and you want to discuss the finer qualities of cannabis, just talk to Pastor Vince and he will help you out. His phone number is 907 888 hemp. Just call her. <laughs> Biblical truth and revelation is real. There is a hidden wisdom, and God will release it to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know it's come from God when it changes you, and you become more Christ like, and then you're able to share that in humility and grace, and it brings transformation to those around you. You know that you've received a real touch from God about a month from now when you're still different and you're walking and moving in that place of freedom and joy. Amen. Ministry of the Word. They gave themselves to prayer. And the ministry of the word, the ministry of the word is teaching, yes, but it's demonstrating. Don't forget that. The result of their decision is the word of God spread. That means the word is getting out all over. You know what's happening right now all over our valley, all over our state, is that people are rising and beginning to declare the goodness of God. Everywhere I go, I see, I see people getting saved, people, people getting touched. Why would we make a goal of reaching 1,000 people? Because if you ever lose track of what the church is here for, you're in big, big trouble. I was a young pastor. My wife said whippersnapper. I don't think I was ever a whippersnapper, but I was young in ministry, and I got invited to go do these meetings, John. And... Um, God poured out his spirit at the meetings. I mean, like, like significantly poured out his spirit. We had chandeliers, these giant chandeliers, this huge Assembly of God church, and it had about 50 people in it. The sanctuary held about 2,000. So there's about 50 people in the church. It had these giant chandeliers, and while I was preaching, people were weeping. I mean, I hadn't seen anything like that up until that time, and I, I was amazed by it. And the chandeliers started spinning independently of each other all through the whole, the whole church. 
And I stopped and I said, does anybody else see that? I was totally freaked out. God moved, people got touched, healed. And I remember meeting with the pastor in the back. I said, man, we could get the whole, this whole region could get saved. He said, well, I don't know about that. I said, what? No, really, people want to get saved. He said, no, we're, we're not ready for evangelism yet. I said, what do you mean you're not ready for evangelism? We have some more maturing to do. Let me just tell you, if you're too mature to evangelize, you have, I think you've matured into maybe manure or something. I, I don't know what you've matured into, but it isn't quite like this. One of the greatest ways to set a, young, a new believer on fire, new believers ought to start winning souls right away. If you've given your heart to Jesus just recently, get up in this Thursday thing. If you gave your heart to Jesus 10 years ago, get up in this Thursday thing. If you've given your heart to Jesus 20 years ago and you're wondering where the wind is, wondering where the power is, wondering where the zeal and the power, start winning souls. Listen, it's an act of violence. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. It's not so much fun to sit with, you know, I mean, it's a humbling thing. You're saved 20 years and you sit under Mr. Fiery Evangelist guy who's saved for like, you know, two weeks by comparison, three years, whatever, four years, right? He's saved for 30 seconds and he's winning, he's winning 30-something people to Jesus left and right, with people saved and healed and miracles and stuff. It's a humbling thing to sit under that and then have Mr. Fireplug teach you at 20 years. But if you want to stay dead and you don't want to get on fire, then don't come. Now, there's other ways. Prayer, ministry of the word. If you just start acting on the, you're giving me that look like I'm preaching too hard. I'm going to go over here. Prayer and ministry of the word. You don't have to come Thursday. I'm just saying that's one way to get on fire. You start doing the word. Start praying. Start reaching to the law. Start praying for the sick. Push yourself out of the lethargy you're in. Get, get away from the waiting on tables. Do you understand? I, you say, are you, I'm not supposed to do my ministry? No, you are, yes. But you've got to, every believer has to be involved in reaching out. You have to be involved in prayer. You have, Come on, you can share your testimony. If you don't have a testimony, then, then maybe you need one. There was this great restaurant in Kauai called, called Brick Oven Pizza. Some of you have eaten there. Amazing. I mean, everything's amazing about it. I mean, you go there, and they, if you have kids, they give you dough for your kids to play with, and they make their little pretend pizzas and stuff. And then when the pizza comes, it breaks your mouth. It's so good. Everything about it's good. And they have all different kinds of pizza, and the crust and everything is just like, my God, it's amazing. You just sit there. Does anybody else like pizza? I mean, I'm from New York, and it's, it's almost as good as the best New York pizza, not quite, maybe. Now, I can tell you about that because I've eaten it many, many times. If you have a hard time talking about what Jesus has done in your life, you have to ask yourself why that is. Now, I'm not trying to shame you, please. I'm trying to stir you to action. I'm trying to say when God touches you and does something in your life, it, it, it produces, even at the, at the most quiet of us, I'm not quiet, but I mean... Okay, prayer, ministry of the word. Let's imagine for a moment that there's a really shy 20-something-year-old, pretty new, you know, newly married, a few years into her marriage, 
She doesn't even, I mean, she goes through the self-checkout line because she won't talk to anybody. And, and the last thing she wants to do is have a conversation with someone. I mean, really quiet, really shy. She's pushing her cart across cars, uh, pushing her baby across cars. She just got a few groceries. She's almost to her car. And somebody knocks her down, steals her, her baby carriage and her groceries, which her purse is in the baby carriage and all that, and hauls off in a dead sprint. You want to tell me how shy that little girl is then? I think she would sprout fangs and become the fastest track star in Alaska, hunt homeboy down, and chew a hole in his back. <laughs> right? Why is that? Why would that be? Because there's something greater than her, than her fear of being rejected or something greater than that which keeps her in a place of being quiet. And being quiet doesn't mean you've been rejected necessarily. We all have different personalities but you will become a roaring lion if someone tries to take your kid. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? I've had situations with my children over the years, and when they happened, something else came out of me. Loving and kind, compassionate pastor. Hey, what's your problem? You know what I mean? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Years ago, I was at a McDonald's. And one of my kids was all the way up the tube thing, all the way down in the balls, you know, the, the little round balls that they have. And you couldn't get in there, and it was an age restriction, you know. You had to take your shoes off, and the whole place smells like feet. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? All right. And so it was really packed. I'm eating my McDonald's. My kids are in there playing, you know, in the pen with all the balls. It's like, you know, up to, you know, up to their waist deep. And they're like, wee! And they're falling, and then there's this one little bully kid. And I see him, and I'm, I'm eating my Big Mac. I'm looking, hey, 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 hey. And I see him, I see him approaching. And I see him grab my kid's hair, bring the fist back. Dude, I was through the pipe, down the chute, up into that thing. He got one shot in. By the time he brought the other shot back, I was like, it's all, he screamed. He peed himself. Yeah, that's right. The mom was wondering, was it, hey, you're not supposed to be. And I said, control your kid. My kid's crying, punched in the face. <laughs> you broke the law. You better believe I broke out breaking every day of the week to protect my children. Does anybody want? There's a greater, there's a greater fear out there. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And you and I have the answer. You and I have truth. You and I have the keys of the kingdom. You and I have the ability to set people free, to break the yoke of bondage, to see this opioid epidemic broken. It's not gonna happen by just some cute little thing. It's gonna happen by the power and the demonstration of Almighty God and casting out devils, healing the sick, setting the captives free. Now I name me down to sleep. I pray to you. It's not going to get devils broken off of an opioid addict. Power and demonstration will. You say, well, that's not for me. That's No, it is for you in your own way. You don't have to spray spit all over the place like I'm doing right now. Do you have to be so strong about it? Yes. 
The priorities in the body of Christ must change. And it must come to a place of prayer. And it must come to a place of the ministry of the word of demonstration. Inside the church and for the love of God outside the church. We must reach the lost at any cost. We must do what God called us to do. Why it's still day. Darkness comes. I'm telling you we're closing in at the end of all. Am I yelling? We're closing in at the end of all time. How'd you like to stand before his throne and give an account for what you didn't do? I don't want that for me. Ministry of the word, prayer, ministry of the word. It's a double barrel shotgun that breaks demonic power off a community. It's the only thing that breaks demonic power off a community. Somebody said, how come your church is growing so fast? I don't know, man, it's a miracle of God, but I tell you one thing I think we're doing, that. You know what we're going to keep doing? That is so simple, so simple, so simple. Oh, we got programs and Financial Peace University and all those things, and we should have them. We should disciple people. I mean, when I came in, I had a lot to learn about how to be a good husband. Pastor Karen had to learn how to be a good wife. A better, better. We didn't know skip about raising kids. We took growing kids God's way. We got close to people whose kids, we, saw, we did surveys. We looked in the church. See rebellious, wild children that would clear off coffee tables and break crystal in your house? Yeah, I don't want one of those. I want like an obedient child. And I think we said, gosh, you're so lucky. Your kid, they said, luck. That has nothing to do with luck. It has everything to do with training. So we learned. We learned, and we're still learning. We've got one in college and a 16-year-old, and they're both doing good, but we're still learning. Prayer, ministry of the Word. The Word of God spread. The result of them doing that, the Word of God spread to a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Do you see that? Do you know what that means? Do you have any idea? It's like such influence in the community that the highest level people that had the most dignity and the most authority in the community became believers. And I'm going to tell you that is exactly what God is doing here. It's what God wants to do in America. God has people all over the nation, all over the world. Even as Coonies are in palaces, he has his people. That's out of the Proverbs. He has people in places of, of tremendous power and authority to declare the word of the Lord. And the truth is that none of us are insignificant like Naaman, the slave girl, Naaman. Naaman's slave girl. We don't even know her name. Naaman got healed because of her obedience to share about the good news of, of a prophet in, in Israel. A large number of priests become obedient to the faith. Wow. We need to take the mountains of influence. How is that going to happen? Prayer. Ministry of the Word. How's that going to happen? Prayer, ministry of the Word. It's amazing how I've found myself at the right place at the right time with a high-level person and nobody around. I'm going to tell you how many times that happened. How, how many times does that happen? You just be right there and just worshiping Jesus and then begin to witness to somebody or pray for somebody and find out that there's someone in the government or someone that's significant that's traveling through Alaska and on and on and on. I can't count the amount of times that's happened. Are you being prideful? I'm being bold to tell you God placed us at this time in history to bring the prayer and the word, the ministry of the word. And if you'll do it, if we'll do it, we'll, we have half the stories yet to be told. We'll see greater things than, than 
greater things will we do than even Jesus did. He said it. You know what's interesting to me is that Stephen and Philip, well, Stephen ends up becoming the first martyr. I mean, verse 8, Stephen, full of faith and power. That's where I get that. If you're around here or any length of time, that's how I greet lots of people. How you doing? You full of faith and power? They're like, yeah. That's where I get it from right there. So where'd you, you got it from there? Well, actually, yeah. I got, actually, I got it from my pastor who got it from there 30-something, 30, 30 years ago. It's almost always how we agree. Full of faith and power. Yes, sir. Are you full of faith and power? Uh-huh. Let's do it. Amen. Stephen was raised up to be a leader. If we will be a people that will pray and minister to the word, keep our priorities straight, and raise up people, more and more leaders will be raised up. We have more leaders than we've ever had before, but it's not half the amount that we need. Leaders, 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 leaders. The sun rises and sets on leaders. And I over and over see so many people that can't put the yoke on. They just want to remain like a little island to themselves. They don't want to submit. They don't want to, they, they don't want to walk in covenant. They don't want somebody to, to call them out for lovingly for issues and things. I mean, the Holy Spirit is the one that, will convict you. But he puts us in places of fellowship so that we can help hold each other accountable. I'm not talking about the spiritual police or some pharisaical spirit. I mean, like, if you have a piece of lettuce that's hanging out of your teeth, and you're talk- don't you want somebody to tell you, oh. look at you, some of you guys are like, You know, it's, it's, uh, it's the story of Pastor Kelly. I like telling it. She was in a um, children's ministry and still is years ago. And they had a child in the nursery. And um, it was a biter. That's what they call a biter. Does anybody know what that is? Okay, so that's a child that bites. And uh, apparently. So... Uh, the child went to bite another kid and they were able to catch it before, you know, before any harm took place. And so we got a timeout. Now the timeout is in the crib. So the child is put in the crib. The bars go up. The number goes out. Flashes up on the screen. You know, 666. What? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm teasing. Lighten up. Lighten up. Gosh. Guys can't take a joke. <laughs> the number comes up. The number comes up, and the mom shows up. And she's like, What's the matter? Your son was biting, you know, little Jimmy, and so he's got a timeout. How dare you put my son behind a crib? Behind, that's like a prison right there. And she went on, He's never bit anybody, he's never done anything wrong. Right. He's never, he's never scraped anybody's family. You know what I'm talking about? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? All right. That's not here at this church. That's some other church. I'm just saying. It's like a prison. And Pastor Kelly said, well, sweetheart, if you don't learn him to, if you don't teach him to obey, you might end up with a prison ministry. <sighs> she never came back. Okay, it was a little aggressive, but wouldn't you, wounds from a friend are better than kisses from an enemy. And it's so important to get rooted and grounded and, and become a leader wherever you are. I know we've got people from other churches. Get in your church if God called you there. Serve. 
onto Jesus and become a leader, release impact, get trained, bring people in, pray, do the ministry of the word. Can you say amen? So these leaders are raised up, and I honestly think that they're the leaders of the church in Antioch. I, I just, you know, I, I, it mentions about them being from Antioch. I think that's what takes place. But, you know, Stephen, he's, he's killed. Philip, Philip becomes an evangelist, picks up where Jesus left off. Who knew that these leaders who were then going to wait? Watch this now, watch. Who knew that these leaders who were just going to be delivering, you know, sack lunches, bringing some food to widows, which is important, but who knew that God would then take them and their faithfulness and their loyalty and then take them from delivering the, the, the you know, food to homes and then raise them up and make them those with apostolic unction, power, and authority and turn over a whole region unto Christ. Who knew God could do that? The truth is, God can do that with anybody if you'll just be willing to serve and, be, and get involved in leadership. Who knows where God's going to do with you? And don't think of things as a stepping stone. Serve with all your heart and just enjoy it. I'm almost done. Would you, brother anointed key guy, DJ, I got it. Would you jump on the keys for me? Appreciate you. Prayer, ministry of the word. So I want to challenge you tonight. Ask yourself, how's your prayer life? And then the next logical thing would be like, I think I can probably give more to that because that's all of us. So then over the next 90 days, no, not 90, a year, go for a year. No, 90, I, I know the human nature, 90 days, three months. For the next three months, I challenge you to pray an hour a day. So I can't even get 10 minutes. All right, go for 15 Try to do more than what you're currently doing. And truth is, if you're able to get down to our prayer meetings, they are powerful. Honestly, sometimes it's like the paint's peeling off the walls. Other times it's just good. It's always good. Sometimes it's crazy. And we've had 40-plus people at morning prayer. To get 40 people together to pray is amazing. It's a miracle, actually. Well, we're going to go on and hit 75 and be more and more consistent. Our new building has a prayer room. It's specifically designed to go 24-7. Why would we do that? Because God spoke to us that it all happens in prayer. Prayer, minister the word. Prayer, minister the word. That's what everybody's supposed to do. We say, I'll do it, Pastor. Raise your hand if you say, yep, I'm going to commit to 90 days. All right, I should have preached harder. You're on the fence. All right, you'll do it. You'll, you'll try. God's going to help you. Raise your hand high. I'll get 90 days, an hour a day. All right? Listen, just turn off the TV. Average male watches six hours. You tell me who's discipling the average male. Six hours of TV a day. That's the average statistic. Who's discipling that guy? Whatever he's watching. Garbage in, garbage out. He said, well, I can't pray an hour, and I can't make down to morning prayer. All right. But you could pray more. Anybody? You could pray more. All right. I can't make it. I'm driving to Anchorage at that time when we've got prayer from 7 to 8. I'm driving to Anchorage from 6 to 7. I can't do it, but I'm going to pray more. I'm going to pray in my car. Raise your hand. All right. All right. That's like most of us. 
Now, if we see the, the rising tide of prayer, we'll see an increase of miracles, an increase of the ministry of the Word. They go together. Give yourself to some fasting. Listen, fasting and prayer will break the back of every obstacle if you learn to do it. And furthermore, a 40-day fast devastates everything. Levels it, levels it for the Lord. So I'm not calling you to a 40-day fast. But, but try every week to fast a day a week or do a, a three-quarter day fast, skip morning and lunch and maybe eat you know, an early dinner, that kind of thing. You can fast like that. And I think fasting is not like, oh, I'm not going to be on social media. No, it's restricting yourself from food. It's restricting yourself from food to, so that you can pray. If you will pray continually, you'll have continual releases of God's power in your life. And if prayer is a drudgery, you need to come to a revelation of who you are in Christ. Here, this is bonus. It's not in your notes. Write it on your notes somewhere. Who I am in Christ. Uh, .org or net or something. Who I am in Christ. Uh, Neil T. Anderson. He wrote books called the Stomping Out the Darkness and Bondage Breakers. And he has a good one. I think it's 90 scriptures. 90 scriptures that tell you who you are. Most people do not know who they are, so they hang their head in shame. They don't walk in power and authority. They just think of themselves as this culmination of all their bad deeds and good deeds and just feel like they want to go in the back and eat worms instead of walk in the new creation that they are, instead of pray with authority and see devils run and see the, the blind to see and the lame to walk, and instead of walking in favor and blessing, they're filled with shame, filled with guilt, begging for God to go do something. What do you want God to do? Die on a cross again? He already died on a cross. You have favor. You have favor. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, God snatched me like a stick out of the fire. When I got this deep down in my spirit, it changed me. It just did something to me. When I realized who I was and I was royalty, when I realized that, it just just like, ooh, oh, yes. Yeah, I got authority. That's right. God before me, who can be against me? I'm the head, not the tail. I'm the lender, not the borrower. Come on, when I show up, devils run. I wake up in the morning and the devil's like, oh, no, he's awake. Known in heaven, feared in hell. That's right. That sounds like arrogance, but it's not. It's called righteousness. It's called understanding who you are in Christ. And if you get that down in your spirit, you will change your life. You'll begin to smile. You'll begin to realize, man, I can boldly come before his throne. Not, not come grovelingly, like groveling. Oh, God, you know my heart. And I just, oh, Lord. There's a time of repentance, but then after that, bam. Come on, somebody say bam. You did that pretty good. Try it again. One, two, three. Bam! Put a big ass on your chest. Super dude or saved or something. I don't know. All right, what's God saying to us? Very simply as I begin to close this. Our priorities affect the community around us. I'm telling you, we are affecting the community. How? We're praying and ministering the Word. I mean, I had somebody tell me, thousand souls, another part of the country, so you don't get offended. Another part of the country, I was on the phone. They're like, well, what are you guys doing in your church? I said, well, we'll get this, we got this goal, thousand souls, we're going to reach a thousand souls in the next month. What? Like how? Where are you going to put them all? I, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to go out and, how, he says, how do you do that? I want to know how you do that. How do you do that? Because a lot of times we just, 
You know, churches oftentimes just wait for people to come in. They're coming in. They're coming in as you invite them. How many say, I'm going to invite someone? That, that's like three people just raised your hand. I'm going to come and cast the devil out right now. How many? You're going to invite someone. All right. Church should be fun. Invite people. Wonderful. That's happening. And you're doing that. That's how, we grow. that's how most of our church growth takes place. But if we don't get outside the fort, if they're not coming here, we're going to them. Come on, John Duke, give me an amen. Come on, give me a better amen, John. All right. So I began to tell him, here's how we do it. We got this little system. He says, well, well, you're not really following up on them, and that's not, re- oh, shut up. So he said, that's not real salvation. If that was real, oh, let me see. Somebody breaking down, weeping, crying, falling into the person who's praying for them, and they're laying hands on them, and then they not only, they not only feel comforted and receive, pray the same prayer that you prayed to receive Jesus and then get healed in their body. I think that would be salvation. But how do you follow up on them? We attempt lovingly to get their name, and we follow up on them, just like you would at church. So that's a little unusual. I know. Prayer, ministry of the word. We're changing our community. You can change your family. You can change the community. You can change your neighborhood. Your house is on the block where you live for an express purpose to reach the love, love, loving people around you that Christ died for. Or maybe not so loving people. You're there for a purpose. And when you begin to move in that dynamic and understanding and personal responsibility as a believer, the fire of the Holy Ghost comes on you and sets you ablaze. And you will see favor, miracles, signs, wonders. Many people are stuck because, well, they're stuck. Our church must renew our priorities of prayer, evangelism, and discipleship. We've got to raise up leaders. He said, aren't we raising up? We are. I need hundreds more. We need hundreds more. We will plant churches all over the state. We will plant churches all over the nation. We will plant churches everywhere God tells us to, but we need leaders. Listen, Jesus said, pray ye, the Lord of the harvest, that he would thrust forth laborers into the harvest field. Thrust forth, ekbalo. It's, it's a very violent word. It's, it's like, get out the door. Go win souls. That's what it's like. Get going. It's a very violent. So the problem is not with the harvest. The problem is that he's got to touch people. And they've got to receive a burden. And they've got to do their part. People want to get saved. How else could you get 71 people saved in an hour and a half? Because they want to. They want to. People want answers. They don't want to smoke crack anymore. They don't want to be addicted anymore. They're tired of it. Enough's enough. When will the church of the living God rise in prayer and the ministry of the word? Right now. As for me and my house, we're going to do it. We're going to reach a thousand souls. Come on, someone to say amen. We'll see our life groups grow. We'll see mentoring and discipleship take place. Can you say amen? All right, lastly. In what ways have you gotten off track? Let's close in prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. What ways have you gotten off? I mean, what, come on, have you gotten off track? Have you, have you lost? What is the purpose of your life? Why are you breathing? What are you here for? Why did God save you? If you were just supposed to be saved, you would drop dead 
right after you complete it, believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. So if that's the purpose, just being saved in the second you really believed, Lord, forgive me. I receive you. Thud. Straight to heaven. No, no. Because that's not the purpose. The purpose is to bring the kingdom of God. I've not come with the eloquence of man. But the demonstration of the Spirit. The Apostle Paul couldn't even hardly speak. He was not eloquent in his speech. He said, well, I'm shy. The greater revelation of your shyness moves you to talk to someone like the girl with the carriage. Can't touch my baby. There is a place called hell. A greater revelation of, of hell, revelation of heaven, a greater revelation of the love of God will move you out of your religiosity to reach across and touch somebody because they're hurting and they're broken. I have a, a, a boy's life group in my house. I never thought I would do a youth life group. Somebody said, can you do a men's life group? No. I do other things like that, but these youth boys had this kid. We were just saying, hey, what are you guys grateful for? What are you thankful for? We're going around. And this one young man, new to the group, said, "Uh, yeah, I just want to thank him. Points to the other kid. I'm like, oh, yeah? He's like, yeah, because my dad died when I was such and such an age and uh, just wanted to blow my brains out. And, uh, you know, I was cutting myself, and I hated life, and I was going to die. And then uh, he reached to me. I thought, oh, well, game over. I just sat there, and everybody's like, well, man, that's cool. I'm like, oh, God. How How many more are out there like that? How many more like Peter? How many more like Peter? Oh, Satan desired desire to sift you, but I've prayed for your faith, Peter, that you might not fail. How many people have failed because there wasn't a prayer meeting? How many people will come to the knowledge of Christ if we could just get a burden? Honestly, I don't like going in public that much. I have to sort of insulate my heart. I mean, I repent for it. But when I spend, like when I go to the Alaska State Fair and I walk around, I start getting jacked up. I can't take it. I'm going to look around and like adultery, sin, fornication, brokenness, drug addict. I, I, you know, I've been on and on and on. It just starts overwhelming me like somebody do something. It's like a zombie apocalypse, but we have the remedy. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You've come into this place. There are numerous people who've come in and you were on fire. You were winning souls and you were moved in the bowels of your compassion for people in their, in their brokenness. But because of distraction, because of woundedness and disappointment, you've backed off of that. I pray God heal you now. That you would rise. Is there not cause? Is there not a cause? There's a Goliath out there. God has given us the power to defeat hell and the grave. The blood of Jesus, the power of his name. You do not have to stay in a place of apathy and lethargy. And hope one day as you wave a white flag of surrender that Jesus comes and saves you and sucks you off the planet. You can walk in dominion. 
You can walk in power and authority. You just need to have a revelation of it. I loose you from the opinions of your neighbors. I loose you from the bonds of religiosity and tradition that will try to suck the lifeblood right out of you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, like a wave, like a wave of your power, come. Bring conviction. Bring, Lord, your touch. Move us out of a place of distracted faith. We renew our priorities tonight in this house again. We will pray and we will win the lost and we will make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We will take over until the kingdoms of men become the kingdoms of our Lord and God. Until you crack heaven and throw your long Galilean leg over that white steed and ride on out of glory. Until you come, God. We'll do it. We'll do. We'll occupy until you come. Release a boldness. Release a zeal for the house of the Lord. Release a godly passion, a fiery zeal that wouldn't be able to be dampened by the flesh. It wouldn't be able to be dampened by the opinions of our neighbors and naysayers and haters. Who cares? Because we're going to stand before you and you alone in the end. Let us lovingly stand up for righteousness in this hour. I'd drive back every devil of hell that tried to torment anyone here or online. I speak to those who are addicted to opioids. I command you, foul spirit, to break your hold right now in the name of Jesus. Loose your hold right now. Go. I command you to go in the name of Jesus. Lord, now I pray a breaking off of every curse, every assignment, every decree of darkness. I declare over these, your people, the people of your pasture, I declare over them the peace and the joy, the love, and the freedom of Christ. And I call each and every one into the ministry of the word and prayer. I call each and every one into their calling and purpose and destiny. And that every cord, every tie, every chain, everything that would try to say otherwise, I bind, gag, and muzzle and send to the most profound places of darkness now in the name of Jesus. And healing now too. Healing the brokenhearted. Touching, helping people right now. I'm raising up, the Lord says, I'm raising up an army. Can you see it? I'm raising up an army of men and women and children that are filled with the very passion of the kingdom to reach the lost, to heal the sick. For the kingdom of God is at hand. Let go of the things of time and tradition, says the Lord. I've got a new way. I've got new wine to put into a new wineskin. You can't put new wine into an old wineskin because the old wineskin will burst. And this day, in this hour, I'm raising up dread warriors, dread champions. Hmm. I'm raising up dread champions, says the Lord. People that have healthy marriages and learn how to raise their children 
pray, minister the word, a balance of fire, power. Bring an awakening to America, I pray. From sea to shining sea, every mountain, every valley, in the name of Jesus. Release even a spirit of Elijah upon us. We thank you. Every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're not right with God, don't you leave this place in the condition that you came in. There is a hell to be shunned and a heaven to be gained, and you gain heaven by repenting in your heart and repenting of your ways, your lying, stealing, cheating, as we've all done, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You've gotten off track. Get back on track. Come back to Jesus. Maybe in recommitment. If you drifted in your walk, you, you used to serve Jesus with all your heart, all your mind, soul, and strength, but you drifted. You've off track. You want to come home. Or you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time, those under the sound of my voice online, Facebook. You say, that's me, Pastor. On the count of three, slip your hand up. You want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or you want to make a recommitment to him. On the count of three, slip your hand up. One, two, three. Do it right now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Let's raise it high. Be unashamed. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. My goodness. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. God bless you. Would you all stand up with me? Come on, would you all stand up? Put your hands together for these that raised their hand. And if you're serious, now we never, we never want to embarrass anybody, but if you raise your hand and you're serious about it, there's going to be others coming with you. You're serious about getting right with God, first time or recommitment. Quickly step out from where you are. Meet me right up here. Quickly come. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Come on, put your hands together for these guys. If you didn't raise your hand and you know you need to be here, quickly come. Come on, come. No golf claps. Come on, a real clap. Come on. Hey! Come on, come. Come nice and close. Come close. John, you help us. All right, I want, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stir the gift of the evangelist within you. I want you to turn to the person on your right or your left, not yet, and ask them, are you right with God? And if they're like, uh, 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 then just say, come on, I'll go with you. And then you all come up. All right, ready? Set. And, and if they're right with God, They'll be like, yeah, yeah, I am. How about you? Yeah, okay, good. Okay, all right, ready, set. Great, and then come on up. Come on up. If that's you, come, 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 come. Come right now. Come on, put your hands together one more time. Yes. Thank you. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray a simple prayer, all right? It's very simple. And that simple prayer, we're going to say an acknowledgement of the fact that we believe that Jesus died on a cross for our sin, all right? We're going to say that we believe that. And we're going to say that we believe that Jesus rose again from the grave, all right? Simple. And then we're going to ask him to forgive us for all of our wrongs. And that's all of us. It's called salvation. It's believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in the Bible that to as many as believed on him, he gave them the right, that's the authority to become children of God. Not everybody's a child of God, only those that are born again. Say, hey, wait a minute. What about babies? Yes, God makes everybody, babies are human beings from conception. 
But being born again, that doesn't happen by a sprinkling of water or if, you're, or if your family served God. No, you have to make a decision to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's what we're doing now. All across this place, many affirming, those online, those here, bow your head, close your eyes. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Would you lift your hands? It's just a sign of surrender all across this place. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray. Fill these now. Fill them with your precious Holy Spirit. Break every chain, every bondage. Holy Spirit, touch. Let them feel you. Let them touch you. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so you can resist darkness. Come on, if you have the freedom to pray in the Spirit, go ahead and do it right now all across this place. Come on. Lift your voice. Pray in your heavenly language if you have that freedom. If you don't, ask God to give that to you. Those that just received Jesus, ask God to give you that prayer language. Turn your mind off. There's a time to study. This is not that time. Like a sponge, just receive. Holy Spirit, fill, touch. Break every chain, every bondage. In the name of Jesus, be filled, be free. We're going to worship Brother Toby if you'd lead us. I've got some leaders all around you. Would you just give us a couple moments right here, right now? We're going to help you to grow in the things of God. It would be wrong if a baby was born and we left the baby on the doorstep. So would you just give us a few moments to, uh, to help you? We're going to get your name and not going to give it to anybody else. We're not going to harass you, but we want you to grow in the things of God. So leaders, will you go right ahead? Pastor Karen. Come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness. Come on, lift your voice. Was bought with precious, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. on a moment longer just lift your hands and let the Holy Spirit touch you let that word that I preach be activated give yourself to prayer give yourself to the ministry of the word
Make us soul winners. People of prayer. your hands together for Jesus, won't you? Come on, come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, put your hands together for Jesus. People getting saved, people getting filled. Glory to God. Prayer, ministry of the word. Say it. Prayer, ministry of the word. That is our main priority. And the truth is, it's the main priority of every church. It's what God called us to do. We'll do all the ministry, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, minister to widows and orphans. It's, yes, it all comes out of prayer and the ministry of the word. What do people need, a meal? Or do they need deliverance? Well, they need a meal and they need deliverance. Come on, somebody say amen. Did you get something from God tonight? Amen. Father, I thank you. I praise you for what you've done, for what you're going to do even the rest of this week. Pour out your spirit. Thursday night, I pray. 150 souls on Thursday night. And you'd help us to reach that 1,000 mark for the glory of God. I thank you for the 200 plus that we've already reached. Move us on to reach 1,000 1, souls. Brand new. Jesus' name. Do it. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Give him peace. God bless you. We'll hope to see you Sunday.